It was 1959 in the beautiful city of Barletta, Italy. The war was over now, and many had moved to the city in order to dream again, hope again, and rebuild. Possibilities were endless. New opportunities, new homes, new lives. Just after dawn began to break, residents of the neighborhood of Via Canosa awoke to a terrible rumble which shook the entire neighborhood. In the early morning light, as residents began to brave the crisp morning air, it hit them. Thick black smoke and powder everywhere. Screams echoed through the streets as people ran in a panic trying to escape, but from what they weren't quite sure. Could it have been an earthquake? No. After calming down, it hit them. Building number seven, located just down the street, had collapsed. September 16th, 1959. The events that I just described, unfortunately, actually happened. See, despite being only a year old, building number seven in the neighborhood of Via Canosa in the city of Barletta in Italy had collapsed, killing majority of the residents who were sleeping inside, despite every effort that was made to save them. Now, of course, when such a tragic thing happened, people always want to know what happened. And so the Italian authorities sent people to go and investigate. And as they conducted the investigation, they found out that there was actually a whole host of issues that led to the building collapsing. However, one of the main reasons that they found that led to the collapse was actually that on this building, there was virtually no foundation. See. The builders, when they were constructing this building, had actually decided rather than making a new foundation, they would lean the walls of the new building on old, partly destroyed remnants of a previous building that had been destroyed in the war. This, of course, led to devastating consequences. Now, anyone who has worked in construction or has been a part of building a house or has bought a house knows how important a good foundation is to the structural integrity of a building, right? Like, if there's a bad foundation that can lead to a whole host of issues, right, like sagging or cracked walls, you can get things like flooding, things like bug infestations or termites. And eventually, as what we saw with building number seven, it can actually lead to the collapse of the entire structure. Now, in addition to this, anyone who has actually seen or worked with a bad foundation on a building knows that they can be a massive headache to deal with. 
They can also be incredibly costly to fix after the fact. And in some cases, if the damage is bad enough, I would even go so far as to say that sometimes it's almost worth more to just tear it down and start over from scratch. Now, to some degree, in our lives, I believe it's the same. See, we have the opportunity to build, but what is our foundation? What are we building on? Are we building our lives on eternal things? Or are we building our lives on just the temporary? As I took the time to pray and, and prepare for this weekend, this question kept coming up over and over again. What is our foundation? See, church, in this season where so much is, is happening in our world right now and, and so much is happening in our own lives, it can be really easy to fix our eyes and to, to build on things that are just merely temporary, can it? To build on things like that relationship with that boy or that girl. To build on things like our jobs, our, our finances, our talents and our abilities, or even things like our health. And that's not to say that those things aren't important or that they're bad. They are important. And they're not bad in and of themselves. But the reality is, if we build our lives on things that we weren't meant to, on things that are temporary, then the reality is that when the rubber hits the road and when the storms of life happen, and they will happen, then we'll cave. Then we break and we crumble against the weight of the things that we face because our foundation is not actually able to withstand it. Now, in addition to that, I believe when we choose to build on the wrong foundation, we also leave ourselves susceptible to the schemes of the enemy, which I've learned always brings more pain and brokenness into our lives. See, church, the, the truth is, whether we like it or not, we all have to build the foundation of our lives on something, right? Like in this life, we actually don't have the choice not to build something. We have to build, but we do have the choice of what we build on, which brings me to my first point. We choose what we build on. Now, these are the words of Jesus, and they're a little strong, so bear with me. Matthew 7, 24 to 27 says, These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life. Homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words. Words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. 
But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you're like a stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach. When a storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. Now, in this story of the two carpenters, they had two very different outcomes, didn't they? See, the one who built on the rock was steady and, and secure when the storms of life hit. Because they actually took the time while they were building their foundation to make sure that they were anchored, that they were secured to the rock. They were unshakable and unmoved by the circumstances that raged around them. On the other hand, though, the second carpenter who built on the sand did not have a steady foundation. See, because they didn't actually take the time to um, steady and secure the foundation to make sure that the piles were driven into the rock, into the ground. As a result, as soon as the storms of life hit them, they were taken under by the waves, by the wind, and they were destroyed by the circumstances around them. Now, it doesn't actually say in this passage what the houses were like or what they were built of. But I mean, if you think about it, all houses are kind of built with the same things, right? Like you have your wood, you have your insulation and your drywall. And in ancient times, it, it would have been things like clay and stone and brick and wood. But if you think about it, the houses could have actually been made of the same materials. They could have been made similarly. They even could have looked exactly the same. And yet, because of the foundation that they chose to build upon, one survived and the other didn't. So church, I wanted to ask, what is our foundation? What are we choosing to build on? Ephesians 2, 20 to 22 says, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. Now, this is just an example, but several times throughout Scripture, it references or refers to Jesus as the cornerstone or the capstone. Now, when it came to building in ancient times, the cornerstone was actually very important. And it's a little obvious, but it was called the cornerstone because it went into the corner. And see, when the builders were building, they would take an insane amount of time to make sure that this cornerstone was completely level and perfectly even because it was then from this stone that all the other stones of the wall would be built upon. If this cornerstone was even slightly off by a few millimeters or a few centimeters, that would actually affect the building of the wall and it would actually affect the integrity of the wall. It would affect things like how straight the wall was, 
how strong the wall was, its ability to carry weight. So it was actually of the utmost importance that the cornerstone was in the proper place. And if it helps to think of it, the modern-day equivalent would be something like cinder blocks, right? Now, I know Slave Lake is more of a, a logging area, um, so I don't know if any of you have actually seen a building being built. But you see, when they build a building and they're working on the foundation of it, what they do is they take the cinder blocks and they make sure that the one in the corner is in the proper place because then they build the rest of the wall from there. Now, if this cinder block is off or if it's out of place, then that affects the integrity of the wall. And eventually, if it's not fixed, it affects the integrity of the whole foundation. You have a faulty foundation. Now, when it comes to our lives as believers, I actually believe that it's the same. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 11 says, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. See, Christ needs to be the foundation we build our lives upon. If we allow other things to take the place of Jesus, who is our great cornerstone, or if we even slightly move Jesus out of his place as the cornerstone in our lives, then I believe that's when we run into trouble, isn't it? Because then our foundation is no longer steady. It's no longer secure. And everything in our lives comes out of alignment. See, the reality is when we choose to build on anything other than Jesus, like the house on the sand, we can look pretty and we can look put together on the outside, right? Like we can go through the motions. We can say the right things to sound like a Christian. We can act, quote unquote, act like a Christian. But the reality is, is that when push comes to shove and the enemy actually attacks or when the storms of life actually happen, if we don't actually have our foundation in Jesus, then we fall apart. We get swept in the way or swept away in the currents of our circumstances because the reality is, is we aren't actually anchored to anything. Now, I haven't lived long, but one thing that I've learned in this life where so many things can change in a moment, so many things are temporary, is that Jesus doesn't change. Jesus isn't temporary. He's not just some quick fix or cosmetic thing that we use to make our lives look pretty or to gloss things over. Hebrews 13, verse 8, says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. See, Jesus is the one steady, unchanging thing that we can count on in this life. He's the one thing that we can trust in, the one thing that we can hope in. 
the one thing that we can steady and anchor ourselves to because he's the one who never fails. He's the one who heals. He's the one who redeems. He's the one who sets people free, and he's the rock on which we can build our lives on. Church, what is our foundation? I know I've mentioned this before, um, but when I was in Bible college, uh, we would travel around quite frequently uh, just leading worship and doing ministry And I just remember a lot of the times when we were praying and we were preparing to be sent out to a location, one of our professors um, would actually kind of warn us. And he would frequently say, if you treat God lightly, then he will treat you lightly. Meaning what? Well, meaning that if we don't actually take God seriously, If we don't take the things of God seriously, then he also won't take us seriously when the time comes. And I can't help but think about it. But church, sometimes in our own lives, do we treat God or the things of God lightly? If I can just be honest and real for a moment, I think sometimes in our lives it can be so easy to just be flippant and casual in our relationship with Jesus, right? And I've been guilty of this too. But it's almost like we treat him like an accessory that we use when it's convenient to us. But then we wonder why things don't go our way when we haven't made him our foundation. Church, what is our foundation? It needs to be Jesus. Which brings me to my next point. See, when it comes to building our foundation, we also choose with what we build with. So the first point was we choose what we build on. And the second point is we choose what we build with. We choose what we build with. Now, if you remember that story that I had shared at the very beginning about building number seven that had collapsed in Italy, I had mentioned that there were a lot of issues. While one of the main contributing factors to that building collapsing was that there was no foundation, there were a couple other causes that added to that. See, as the Italian authorities began to actually take things apart and clear the rubble, and actually investigate, they also found that the building materials that were used to build this building were of insufficient quality. In other words, they were extremely cheap. See, during this time in 1959, World War II had ended, and because of this, there were a lot of people that were looking to rebuild their lives. So a lot of people moved into the cities for new opportunities, for chances to start over. And because of this influx of people, builders were trying to keep up with demand and build housing for the people. But because of this, they actually began to cut corners in ways that they shouldn't have. For example, when they investigated, they actually found that 
the, the concrete or the cement that was used in the building was actually mostly sand and it lacked rebar. If you don't know what rebar is, those are basically like metal rods that go into the concrete to help strengthen it so that it can carry more weight and doesn't crack and break. So they didn't put that in. And then on top of that, um, the bricks that they used were hollow and they just filled them in with cheap dirt. In the walls, they found that they didn't even use proper insulation, but instead they just packed it full of things like garbage. Because of the builder's unwillingness to actually invest in higher quality materials, to actually take the time to properly build, to make sure that things were actually done to standard because there was a higher cost associated with that. It was more work and it took more time. Because of the builder's unwillingness to do this, the building collapsed with disastrous results, like it costed people their lives. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 12 to 15, says, remember there's only one foundation, the one already laid, Jesus Christ. Take particular care in picking out your building materials. Eventually, there's going to be an inspection. If you use cheap or inferior materials, you will be found out. The inspection will be thorough and rigorous. You won't get by with a thing. If your work passes inspection, fine. If it doesn't, your part of the building will be torn out and started over. But you won't be torn out. You'll survive, but just barely. See, the reality is, while it can be easy for us as believers to say our foundation and our hope is Jesus, in all honesty, he isn't always, is he? And again, I'm speaking to myself here. I've been guilty of this too. See, the reality is we are actually the ones who choose what we build our foundations with. Not God, right? Like, God doesn't force us to pray. He doesn't force us to read our Bibles. He doesn't force us to go to church or force us to be a part of a life group. He doesn't even force us to spend time with him. That's part of free will, right? Like, God doesn't force us. He's not a forceful God. And yes, the Lord does direct us. He instructs us and, and tells us what materials are best to use. He tells us how to build with, with things like his word, our Bible, scripture. But the reality is, is that we are actually the ones who choose. If we'll use the cheap materials of this world or the costly ones of the Lord. 1 Samuel 15 verse 22 says to obey is sacrifice and to listen better than the fatter rams. See, church, sometimes there's a cost to building with the things of the Lord, isn't there? Like, it's sometimes actually a sacrifice 
to listen to the Lord and, and to actually walk in obedience to him. It's not always fun. It's not always pleasant. But the reality is, is that it's too high of a cost not to. Just as I mentioned in that verse in 1 Corinthians where it's talking about the inspection. Sure, we can build on other things or use other materials, but we'll barely survive. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to just barely survive. That doesn't sound like a pleasant place to be in. We need to choose the right materials to build. Now, for maybe those of you that don't know me as well, um, I am quite creative, and uh, I have always loved art. So anything like painting, drawing, anything creative, I love it. I always have. It's something that um, I highly enjoy. It relaxes me. But I remember when I was in high school, I actually took an art class. Um, and in this art class, we had been working on a project, and we were using clay, like real clay. Um, and I had never worked with clay before, um, but it was a lot of fun, and it was a little bit messy, but it was all good. It was great. I really enjoyed it. And I remember we had been working on our projects, and we had worked on them for maybe like a week or a week and a half. And then we sent them off to the studio to go and be baked in the kiln. And if you don't know what a kiln is, that's basically just a special oven that they use to bake the clay. And I remember I was so excited, like I was just waiting in anticipation to see my project because it was amazing and it was going to be so great and then I could paint it and it was just going to be amazing. And I remember I was so excited waiting and then we got our projects back and I looked at it and I was so heartbroken and disappointed <laughs> because see what had happened is my project had cracked on the bottom. See, the base of my project, the, the material of the clay was actually unable to take the stress of the fires in the kiln. There was a weakness in the material that I had used to create the foundation or the base layer of my project, which in turn caused it to crack and eventually break when it was put into the heat and the fire of the kiln. Now, in the same way, when it comes to our lives, I believe that when we build with the wrong materials, when we actually go through those fiery trials, then we crack and we break because the materials we've used to build our foundation are not actually able to withstand the fires of the circumstances that we face. Isaiah 48, verse 10. To see, I have refined you, though not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. Now, let's be honest for a moment here. If you've lived life for any amount of time, chances are you've probably walked through the furnace of affliction. And if you haven't yet, I'm sure you will in your lifetime. And truthfully, Nobody likes the furnace of affliction. It's not a pleasant place to be in. But I believe that it's actually when we're in the furnace of affliction that we can actually test 
and see if what we're building with will survive the attacks of the enemy or be swept away. We can actually test and see if it will last or not. Now, it's through the furnace of affliction that I believe God in his great mercy and his great love for us actually allows us the opportunity to reevaluate our building materials or our foundations so that if there is something that we maybe need to tear down, something that we maybe need to adjust or rebuild, that we can actually do that before we reach the end of this life. So church, what are we choosing to build with? Will it stand the test of time? Now you might be thinking, well, okay, that sounds all great and good, but how do we actually build a good foundation? Now, of course, building a good foundation, that comes through things like praying, talking to God, reading your Bible, being in community with other believers, so going to church, being a part of a life group. But the very, very beginning, step one, to begin to build a good foundation, I believe is to fix our eyes on Jesus and to walk in obedience to him. Matthew 14, 22 to 23, says immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up to the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once, do not be afraid, he said. Take courage, I'm here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the Son of God they exclaimed. Now, personally, I love this story for so many reasons. Like, one of them being Peter was quite the character. Um, if you read other stories of Peter, he was definitely a strong personality and definitely a leader. But in this story, Peter is actually the only disciple who's bold enough and willing enough to actually climb out of the boat and to walk towards Jesus. See, Peter gets out of the boat in obedience to the Lord telling him to come. So in this moment, in the story, as, as Peter gets out of the boat, I believe he had faith. I mean, otherwise he wouldn't get out of the boat. 
And as he got out of the boat, his eyes were fixed on Jesus. However, as soon as Peter took his eyes off of Jesus, it says he looked at the wind and the waves. He looked at the circumstances around him. His faith faltered and he began to sink. See, Peter began to be overwhelmed by the wind and the waves around him. And he began to doubt, I believe, God's ability to, to pull him through to sustain him. Which is why Jesus actually ends up asking him, why did you doubt me? And church, in the same way, when we begin to look at the storms of the circumstances around us, which is easy to do. Rather than keep our eyes on Jesus, then we can be a lot like Peter, can't we? We become overwhelmed. We become overtaken by the waves of our circumstance. And we even begin to question or doubt God and his ability to sustain us and save us. Now, thankfully, in the same way that God rescued Peter, God is always there to reach out and to help us. However, we need to keep our eyes on him. By keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus and by choosing to walk in obedience to God, I believe we begin to build the necessary foundations in our lives so that when we actually do face the storms or we do face those trials, we're sustained, we survive, and we're not taken out. So church, what is our foundation? And what is your foundation? Now, the reality is, as I've mentioned already, it's impossible to actually have a good foundation without the proper cornerstone in place. And sure, like we can try to make other things our foundation in life, but the reality is, is that we'll soon find ourselves in trouble. Because things will begin to crumble, they'll begin to fall apart as they can't actually, the foundations that we build on can't actually withstand the weight of what we face. And as I also already mentioned, Jesus is the only steady thing that we can actually anchor ourselves on in this life. John 10.10, Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and life more abundantly. See, the reality is, is Jesus came not for the people who are seemingly perfect or who seem to have their life all together, but he came for people like you and me. He came for the broken the hurting, and the people who are actually desperate enough for something to change in their lives. See, Jesus died a brutal death on a cross for you and I so that we could live. And not just so that we could live, but so that we could live a life full of abundance and joy. John eight thirty six says, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Now, truthfully, as much as I'd love to, I can't promise that if you make Jesus your foundation, that it'll be easy. In fact, in some ways, it might even be harder, right? Like, if you think about that story about the house on the rock, the truth is that the, the house on the rock got hit by way more things than the house on the sand. However, 
The difference is that the house on the rock was able to withstand everything that was thrown at it, whereas the house on the sand got taken out by the first thing that hit it. Now, in the same way, if you make Jesus your foundation, the rock on which you build your life, it might not be easy, it might not be perfect, but I promise you it'll be good. Because you'll be able to withstand whatever you, you face. Because God is with you, he is for you, and he loves you beyond anything. Scripture also says that, that God fights for and on behalf of his children. It also says that he'll never leave or forsake us. So if there's anyone here and you would like that, you want to live a life anchored on a solid foundation, you want to live a life of freedom and joy, then we're just going to pray a simple prayer. And uh, church, if you want to just repeat after me, so we'll pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for dying for me. I ask you now to forgive me of all my sins, make me new, and come into my heart. Thank you. I love you. In Jesus' name.